Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't we stand together? It's good to be here tonight. I like what I feel in the Holy Ghost already. Amen. Praise God. Good to see your smiling faces. If I say that and then look at you, it makes you smile, right? Why don't you look at somebody beside you and say, you look amazing. I, I, <laughs> I like, so I'm, I'm going to, this is just a little tip for you. If you're a husband, you want to turn to your wife first. I, I just, I, I thought we've taught better than that for some. Amen. Brother Lewis turned to his wife. Granted, she didn't turn to him. <laughs> oh, we digress. Praise the Lord. Could we lift our voices to the Lord tonight? Amen. And cast off the cares of the day and set our attention and our affections on him. I believe he'd like to minister to us tonight if we'll allow him to. Jesus, we worship you. You're the reason we've come. You are the reason, Father. You are the reason. We worship you tonight in spirit and in truth, not because we're worthy, but because you are worthy. You are God, and beside you there is none else. We pray tonight that you would be lifted up in this place, that your name would be glorified, that your will would be done. I pray the kingdom of God established here in the sanctuary tonight. Your kingdom, your authority, Lord, and your will wrought in our hearts and in our lives. I pray by your spirit, let our hearts be open to receive of your word and your spirit. Let us to receive in faith that which you would speak into our lives tonight. That it would accomplish what you send it to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. We worship you, O God. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship your name. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You can be seated if you want to. Um, let me say really quickly before I forget, um, October the 3rd, that's probably not the right day. That's definitely not the right day. Whatever the first Sunday in October is, that one. Um, maybe that's the second or something like that. I, Sister Julie is going to help me out. Thank you, Sister Julie. Seventh. Well, that's not right either. So praise the Lord. September the 30th. Let's try that. Is that a Sunday? All right. September the 30th which is not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Uh, I'm excited. Brother and Sister Hanchi from Longview will be here with us ministering. And uh, the Lord has been doing great things with them there. And Longview, we've known them for a lot of years. What a beautiful testimony that they have. And precious people, you'll love them if you haven't met them already. And uh, I promise you the Lord will use them to minister. So I'm excited about that. That'll be a week from this coming Sunday, the 30th of September, um, praise God, looking forward to that, you also may have seen back there on the board on October the 5th, that's a Friday night, uh, there will be a fellowship meeting in Union Gap, so that those details are back there on that board, amen, I would also like to uh, 
men, I'd like to invite you, those that would care to, I'd like to invite you to come together for a time of breakfast this Friday. Not Friday. Man, my days are confused. I don't even know if it's Wednesday tonight. That's what happens when I, I've been on the road all week and drove in today. I don't know what day it is. Um, this Saturday, this Saturday, those men that can, um, I'd like us to just meet together for a time of food, fellowship, conversation. We don't always get that. Uh, this Saturday... Uh, I'd like to meet up at 7.30 a.m. That's early for some of y'all. Uh, just there at the Wolf Den in Wapato. I think everybody knows that is. If you want to carpool, shoot me a text, something like that, 7.30. If you need a ride, uh, we can accommodate that as well. So 7.30, we'll meet up there this Saturday. Amen? Praise God. I, I want to take just a couple of minutes and then my intent is to turn it to Brother Flowers here, and but there's something that has been stirring in my spirit, and I feel like it's important for somebody. Um, now, when I say that, I don't care if you are six years old, or 10 years old, or 14 years old, or 64 years old, or somewhere on the other side of that. Um. If you, are a, if you are a student that is going to school in public school, would you raise your hand? If you're going to public school. Okay. I, um, I'm not trying to narrow this down by any stretch of the imagination, but you all have been on my heart this week, and I feel like this is important for you. If you're a parent of those students, it may be important for you, but uh, would you just hear the word of the Lord for just a moment? We've heard this scripture before, but the Lord has been talking to me about it differently. Second uh, Corinthians 12 and verse number 7. Second Corinthians 12, verse 7. The Apostle Paul is writing here, and I want you to notice his statement. He says this, Unless or unless, is what that means, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. That word given there is like a gift. He had a gift given to him. The gift was a thorn in his flesh. It was something in his humanity. All right? And whatever it was in his humanity that was keeping him from getting exalted because of what God was doing in his life or how God was working in his life. It made sure that he didn't think he was doing it. Does that make sense? So lest he should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations... There was given him a thorn in the flesh. Now, this thing in his humanity bugged him. Have you ever have you ever had something in your humanity that bothers you, that you try to change about yourself? Anybody? I'm not talking about sin. You need to let the Lord deal with that. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about personality, character. You're like, ah, why do I do that? You know what I'm talking about. All right. Good. We're all human. I don't know what this was. I don't believe this was sin that Paul is talking about, a thorn in the flesh. Because if it was sin, the Lord would have taken it from him. 
right? And we'll read a little bit further here and understand that statement in just a second. This was not sin. So he didn't have sin going on in his life that, that he's condoning. Well, it just sinned and it reminds me I'm human. No, no, no. That's not what the scripture's saying, okay? So what did he do about it? it? It's this messenger of Satan that's buffeting him, the scripture says, lest he should be exalted above measure. Verse 8, here's what he did. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice or three times that it would depart from me. You ever prayed about something that you've got going on in your life, personality, character, something in your, that you're like, God, just please take care of this. But he doesn't. Again, I'm not talking about sin. The Lord deals with sin. But there's things that come, circumstances of life, things that we're facing or dealing with, and we want the Lord to just fix it, right? Lord, if you would fix this then, and maybe we get this idea that if the Lord did that then, I would. Or then this would be okay. If you're a student in school, I remember when I was a student in school. It was a little longer ago than I'd like to admit. I'm still a student, just not in high school and grade school anymore. But if you're a student in school, there will be things that you will face that you'll feel like, Lord, if you would just change this, then it would make everything okay at school. If this just wasn't this way, then everything would be fine. And I can tell you, the Lord could change that thing and then there would just be some other thing. I can tell you if you're an adult and the Lord changed that thing, if that thing is the issue, there's always just going to be some other thing that's going to be a detriment. It's going to try to be a hindrance. And so Paul asked the Lord, take this thing away from me. Deal with this. And that, I'm sure he was as human as us. And so he's thinking, Lord, you deal with this and everything will be better. If you would just deal with this. And so he asked the Lord about it. And so you think, you know, the Lord loves him. The Lord cares for him. And so the Lord is going to answer his prayer, right? And the Lord did answer his prayer. Watch verse number 9. And he said to me, this is the Lord answering him. So the Lord answered his prayer. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, the Lord said, uh, no, I'm not taking that away from you. I'm not changing that situation. Again, we're not talking about sin, you understand. The Lord said, no, I'm not changing that situation that's affecting your life. That's posing challenges for you. I'm not changing that. But I'm not leaving you on your own either. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. I've known this verse most of my life. I've quoted it probably more times than I could ever tell you. I have never seen it this way before until the Lord started dealing with me today as I was praying about some things. Notice this. He doesn't say my grace is sufficient to help you. I've always interpreted it that way. Well, his grace will help me to. That's not what it says. It says his grace is sufficient. The answer is grace, not you going, okay, I can do better. I can work harder. I'll be able, okay, with his grace, I'll do better. 
Paul was wanting this thorn in his flesh to go away. You ever worked really hard at something to change in your life only to not be able to seem to get it to change? Maybe that's what this thorn, I don't know what this thorn was in Paul's flesh. But the Lord didn't say, okay, my grace will help you change. My grace will fix it. That's not what he said. He said, my grace is sufficient. What was he saying? Paul, these things that you wish you could change that I'm not letting you change, this thing you want gone that I'm not getting rid of, you're going to have to trust my grace to work, not what you can do on your own. The moment I took that away from you, that thing you're begging me to get removed, you would start thinking you're doing it and you're able and you can handle it. I don't want you leaning on your ability. I want you trusting that my grace is sufficient. What you need isn't something taken away so now you're able. What you need is to trust in my grace working in your life and my grace to deal with the situation. And you just, notice what Paul said after that. I'll glory in my infirmities. What in the world? The strength of God was made perfect in his weakness. The strength of God did not correct his weakness. The strength of God was perfected in his weakness. If you and I, whether we're a child, a teenager, a student, an adult, if we are filled with the spirit of God, which is the spirit of grace, then those things we face in school, those things we face in our life, those things we face, we say, Lord, if you would fix this, and the Lord says, you know what? I won't necessarily fix it, but if you'll stop trying to do it yourself and you'll trust my grace to work in that situation, I can give you grace for that situation. His grace is sufficient. I can't tell you how, Brother Flowers, I'm getting ready to hand you the microphone. I can't tell you, I, I, I think through my own life, I think about being a parent. I've been a parent for 23 and a half years now, and I'm still learning. And about the time I'm starting to figure some things out, they don't want me to parent them anymore. Imagine that. Well, actually, they sort of do, but I'm supposed to be kicking them out now, right? So it's sort of this, it's like this, it's this. It's this wrestling match, right? I feel like I have so much to teach them now, but I, I realize that there's something I'm supposed to do now, which isn't teach them. I'm supposed to kick them out and let them learn some stuff on their own. And I, I say that with a deep amount of love. I'm, not, I'm being a little facetious there. But when I reflect on being a parent, you know, I would, I would hear things about what I was supposed to do and what I what was expected of me, and I could read books about different things, and and it didn't take much reading or much listening, or you, you read some stuff, man, there's some like super dads and stuff out there, and I am not that guy, and so I'd be like, man, what do I got to do to become, and so I'd, I'd, I'd feel all this pressure, and so generally there's one of two things, and I'm just using parenting as an example, but you can fill in the blank for whatever your weakness is. I, so my, my first effort, you know what my first effort was? It was human effort. Human effort. When something doesn't change and my weaknesses manifest, do I trust in the grace of God or do I put in more human effort? If I put in more human effort, 
I may make some progress for a while, but if it's not the grace of God doing it, it's not going to be a lasting thing because whatever's born in the flesh is flesh. I'm going to get frustrated and tired. And so as a parent, I would just try harder. But I can look back and I can see the things that I don't even want to say that I got right. The things that were right along the journey as a parent. And I realize it was the grace of God operating and working. It wasn't God going here, I'll give you grace and that to help you do better. It really was the grace of God working through my life as a parent. And what was accomplished was accomplished by his grace. Does that make sense? This is what Paul was saying. The Lord was saying to Paul, my grace is sufficient. It doesn't make you sufficient because the second it makes us sufficient, we start relying on ourselves again. And that's not the point of this. The point of the thorn in the flesh was just so Paul wouldn't rely on himself and would completely rely on God's spirit working in him to do what needed to be done. So that Paul would realize no matter what, no matter how much I learn the book, no matter how much I pray, I'll never be able to do it myself. But his grace working in my life. I'm not talking about some soft, fuzzy, warm, feel-good grace. I'm talking about the Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of grace, the Holy Ghost living inside of me, and I yield to that. And when I yield to His Spirit that lives in me, His Spirit does what I cannot do. Amen? If you've received the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost, dwelling in you is the Spirit of grace. We talked about that a little bit on Sunday. I have to allow that Spirit of grace to work. I yield myself to. So what does the Lord do to get us to this point so that his grace can operate? We, we get a revelation of his grace. I'll tell you what he does. And I'm speaking from experience. He lets us exhaust ourselves with our human ability and effort and still be frustrated. Realizing it's not good enough. He lets us exhaust ourselves in our human element. Trying to prove our righteousness, our goodness, our ability. And we still. And so you know what it feels like? I know exactly what it feels like. I know exactly what it feels like. It feels like no matter what, I'm, I still miss the mark. I still fall short. I still fail. I still, I mean, I, I, I get better some days, but I still fall short. And you know what that's an indicator of? It's an indicator that I'm still trying to do it in human effort. You said, oh, I should just be content to fail. No. But I'm telling you, I come to the place where I realize when failure doesn't happen, it's not because I figured it out. It's because the grace, I finally got to the end of myself and relied on the grace of God and His grace was sufficient. His grace is sufficient. You don't know what to do about that situation on the job? His grace is sufficient. Well, if this change... Let His grace work. 
if his grace is operating, you'll find yourself saying stuff and you're like, man, I, I never even considered that option before. Well, don't start taking credit for it. Realize it was the grace of God operating through your life as you yielded to him and his grace is sufficient. And you no longer rely on yourself for anything. And I'm not telling you this like I've arrived there. You know, I'm still learning this process. But we no longer rely on our abilities or anything we've done. Or we realize it's only by his grace operating through our lives. And it's sufficient. It's adequate. It's enough. It's enough. Amen. Why don't you pray with me, little flowers? Why don't you come? Jesus, in your name. In your name, let this be ingrained in our spirit the way you want it to be. In the name of Jesus, that we not rely on ourselves. Let us come to an end of ourselves, however you have to get us there, Lord. In the name of Jesus, whatever we face, to know that your grace is sufficient. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's just continue to pray and talk to the Lord. Jesus, we thank you, God. God, we know that your spirit is here in this place. God, you've shown up here for a purpose and for a reason, God, and you've drawn every individual here tonight for a purpose, God, to do a work in our lives, to do a work in our spirit tonight. Jesus, we want you to accomplish your will. Jesus, I pray, God, let us learn to live as you want us to live. Lord, let us learn to live a life full of your spirit, God, where your grace would operate through our lives. Jesus, where your word would speak through us. God, I pray right now that you would do a healing work in this place tonight. Father, it's you alone that can bring wholeness and completion to each life here. Jesus, it's only you, God, and by your grace that we can reach that place of completeness. God, that place of perfection that you have designed us to reach. Jesus, in your name, we need you, God. We need you, God. Have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. Have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. If we can get Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. This is not what I intended to speak on earlier today uh, for this night, but uh, the Lord is kind of weaving some things here, and I'm just trying my best to let him continue to do that however he wants. and. Trust that it's in his will that he will say what he wants to say. I'll give you full disclosure. Yesterday, I got to sit in on an anger management class that Brother John Stone taught. And I thought I was just there to observe, uh, support. Um, but the Lord started putting some things in my spirit, and then just started revealing them tonight, um, truths about us as humans, truths about Him and His Word, the, the, the statement that Brother Johnstone made 
right away is that we all have anger and it's okay. He said this to a room full of individuals who had been sent to anger management class because they had to be there. Some of them, some of them volunteer. But that's the way that he started out that class. We all get angry. We all have anger. Anger is an emotion given to us by God, our creator. So what that means is it is okay to feel anger. Not only is it okay, it's normal, it's natural. It's unnatural to never get mad, to never have the emotion of anger cross through your mind or through your spirit or your emotions. If you never got angry about anything, I would question your humanness and feel like I was dealing with a robot. So don't feel like you have to reach this point or this pinnacle in your life. Nothing ever bothers me. Nothing can fluster me. Nothing can get me upset. No, I, I've got myself so put together, so well buttoned up that I just love everybody and I know how to control myself to such a degree that I just don't get mad. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll admit to you, probably in times of ignorance and pride in myself, I've said those words. I don't get mad. I don't get angry. And I'm confessing to you today that that was not true. Because while my intention or what I was trying to say maybe in that context was... No, Things that normally would upset other people don't upset me. That's, that's neither here nor there. Because I'm human, I do get angry. It may not be about the same things as you or the next person, but to deny the fact that I get angry is to lie. It's to not be honest with myself about myself. <clears throat> so the, the verse here says... Be ye angry. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, he tells them, Be ye angry. That is a direct command from the apostle to the church. Now we're going to talk a little bit about that. Because if I just got up here and said, Everybody, get mad. Come on now, let's get mad. Think about something you don't like and get mad about it. Be angry. I want to get you to that point. There are preachers that will play with your emotions from the pulpit, whether it's to stir up anger, to stir up uh, grief, whatever emotion, because they want to get you there to feel like we're accomplishing something with this time. That's not the point, and that wasn't the point of Paul's letter, to stir up an emotion. Okay, it's really, it's an instruction on real life, from a real man to a real church. Be ye angry and sin not. If you didn't know any better, you might even raise your hand to a trick question that says, how many of you know that anger is a sin? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. That's, yeah, I know anger's bad. I know sin's bad. Anger's a sin. <laughs> That's not what the verse says. Be ye angry and don't sin. He's giving us instruction to do both. Be angry not sin. 
Okay, so there's kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, a balancing act, you might call it, between this being angry and not sinning. If my anger drives me to the point of sinning, I'm not following this word. I don't know, I'm not understanding and putting it into practice correctly. And then, then he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 27 is very interesting because this, verse 26 doesn't end with a period and a complete thought. And then verse 27, start a new thought. This is a continuation of verse 26. Let not, be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. What this tells me is there is a place that the devil resides in, if I can call it this, sinful anger. A place that the devil abides and resides where he's just waiting for the human to cross over that line from appropriate anger and that natural response to sin. So if I cross that line, if my anger is not just is no longer just the natural response, but it becomes an action to sin, I am giving place to the devil, allowing him. Now we, we would we would probably all raise our hands and say, I would never voluntarily give the devil access to any part of my life. I don't want him in this. I don't want him in this. I don't want him in this. No, stay out. Go. Resist him and he'll flee. But Paul is saying here, if you do this, you are giving him place, or I will call it access to you. You're giving the devil access to you. How? By letting your anger drive you to a place of sin. Now, those scriptures seem probably self-explanatory on the surface. I want to read them from the Amplified Version because it amplifies it. It gives it a lot more depth to understanding how, what am I supposed to be angry at? Notice I said, what am I supposed to be angry at? And how am I supposed to handle this anger? Before we, before we go there, when you picture somebody angry, just the, not an individual that you know, but a, a, let's say a cartoon character to, to, to be safe and not pinpoint anybody. Picture an angry cartoon character. They're usually turning red, fierce, shaking, maybe getting physically or verbally uh, expressive. Don't do that. I said not to do that. You make me so mad. I don't know what I'm going to. That's how we visualize an angry person. Okay? But that's only one type of person. One type of what I would call personality. 
an aggressive person who with their anger is ready to be aggressive. So it manifests itself in these physical ways. Oh, you can tell he's getting mad. But that's only that one type of person. And because of that, and if we think, I don't do that, I don't act like that, that's how we kind of try to slip into this I don't get angry mentality. What I'm really saying is I don't express my anger that way. But I could, I could, you could, anybody could be sitting there taking in whatever's going on being said or done, and that anger, that same emotion is still active, being stirred, okay? But that person is not expressing it in the same way. So I take your passiveness and sitting there as the lack of anger, no anger there. So you've heard this term passive-aggressive. That's a person who eventually gets to the aggressive part of the anger and the expression like we talked about. So somebody, we say that he's got a short fuse. That's not a passive-aggressive person. That's just an aggressive person. Okay? But a passive-aggressive person really in this context just has a longer fuse. They're still going to blow up. They're still going to get to that point of their anger becoming expressed. Usually, at times that either you don't see it coming or being expressed in ways that you didn't see coming. Imagine, no, that person would never do that. They would never say that. They would never act out that way. Well, that's because you've only seen the passive side of their nature and they've reached the point where they are no longer passive, but they are aggressive. Let me give you a good example. And, 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 and I know that you've heard this probably or seen it some, to some degree, but passive-aggressive people still express their anger, but sometimes in slightly different ways. Often it's sarcasm. Oh, you're going to wear that. Okay. Oh, you, you, you think that you know this. Okay. That's sarcastic. Okay, it's very subtle, but it's sarcastic. Or, hey, I, need, I, I just need you to do one little favor for me. Sure, no problem. I'll do that. I'll get around to that. But I'm really angry at you, and I'm just being passive about it. And in my passive aggressiveness, I'm not going to do the thing that I know you want me to do, to help you, to assist you. No, I'd rather just let this tiny little bit of anger that I almost have express itself in this tiny little way. And I'm fine with that because I'm still having an outlet for my anger, passively, passive aggressive. Or if the anger gets so much, and maybe you're not, you're not getting the hint. You just think I'm being nice. Or you think, in that example, I'm being forgetful. So let's, let's ramp it up a little bit. Or what, you see, what you're seeing here is a pattern of anger being expressed 
in another form. Okay, so you got the aggressive person, you've got the passive aggressive person. And then if you feel like, no, I'm not either one of those, well, you can just be passive completely. But you know what you're doing when you're being passive? You're allowing that same emotion to suppress everything. The same emotion, anger. Now, you're not getting mad, you're not lashing out, you're not slamming doors, you're not name-calling, none of that. You're just withdrawing from your passive nature because of the emotion that's making you act that way. So that's, that's kind of the, 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 the personal nature of anger. Okay, and like I said at the beginning, it's natural to be angry. It's a, it's a human emotion. God made us with that human emotion, just like we have love, just like we have fear, just like we have joy. It's an emotion. Anger is an emotion. So let's, let's look at verse 26. This is the amplified version. Be ye angry, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame. What does that mean? Don't let my anger cause me shame. Well, if I act out in a way that later I will be shamed, ashamed of then I am letting my anger cause me shame. Oh, it's not like me to break your fishing pole in half. I don't do that. Well, I did it that one time because I was angry, and I am ashamed of that. that's, That's what it's saying here, okay? Don't let your anger cause you shame. Nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. This is, this is interesting because Paul writing this, he is, he's almost addressing more than one issue, it feels like. Because the part I didn't read at first in parentheses in the Amplified is, be ye angry at sin. And at immorality at injustice and at ungodly behavior. Those are the things he's saying you can be angry about. Sin, ungodliness, immorality. But he still says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So really, he's not giving you an excuse to stay mad at this ungodly act or behavior that you saw to the point where it's harming you, your feelings, your emotions. Because yes, I hate sin. I don't want it anywhere near me. I don't want it anywhere near my family. But I don't need to become a hateful person because I hate sin. Otherwise, I'm going to be laying in bed at night Still thinking about, oh, that one individual that is just so sinful. They, they, every time they get a chance to, to just flaunt their ungodliness in my face, they always do it. 
You see what I've done? I've, I've deflected my anger at the person. Not at the sin. Not at the ungodliness. I can, I can, here's the difference. I can have a resolve in my mind and in my spirit about what things are okay and what things are not okay. And I'm still at perfect peace. Because I know, I think that's wrong. That's a sin. The Lord has helped me discern that that action is sinful. I'm good with that. I'm not going to, that's not something that I, he's saying, don't let the sun go down. on. No, you've got that resolved. Okay? You've got that resolved. It just becomes a part of who you are. A conviction is what we call it. Now, I'm not going to go to bed thinking about all these murders. Mm, I can't sleep because there's just all these murders. All this fornication. I can't sleep because there's so much fornication out there. All, all this uh, cursing. that I, I hear it all day and now I can't sleep because I just hear all this cursing. That, see, there, there's a difference here. We're distinguishing. Okay? That's not wrath to feel, to feel anger at sin or at immorality. That's not wrath. It becomes wrath when I'm now sitting there disturbed by how much this coworker cusses. I, I, I can't sleep because he just keeps saying all these things. And it's him and it's him. It's not what he's saying. It's him. I've got my anger deflected. This is how easily it happens. Now, I've got my anger deflected away from the sin and onto an individual or a group of people or whatever it is. You name it. Can I, can I go there? Our president is just so vile. He's just such a bad person. Every time, everything he says, I, I can't sleep because we, we have the, the wrong president. What if it's the same issue as my coworker. I'm deflecting my anger towards a sinful act onto a human being. Newsflash for you. All humans are created with a sinful nature. All humans are created with a sinful nature. If you have a problem with that, you have to get alone with God and figure it out. Okay? I'm sorry, but, but you didn't come to the perfect club, and we don't hand out cards at the door. This is, this is not the perfect club. There's not one. All humans are created with a sinful nature. So again, what we have to do, what I have to do is be able to distinguish between what is sin, what is immorality, ungodliness, and what is... I'll, I'll put it this way. What is a soul? What is a, a human being acting as humans do? Let's keep reading. 
And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment. I have to stop there. Because those of us that might raise our hands and say, by nature, we fall into the passive-aggressive group. I'm, I, I'm not naturally aggressive. Every time, every time I think about wanting to act out aggressively and don't, if I'm not careful, I can, I can file that into the resentment file. Into this place where, oh, no, you're just lucky that I didn't say what I was thinking. You're just lucky I didn't act the way I was thinking about acting or do the thing that I thought about doing. You're the lucky one. What am I doing? I'm harboring resentment towards another individual. Because you, what you did, what you said, whatever it is that set me off, pushed me to the place of anger beyond just resolve. And what I'm doing is I'm giving place to the devil without even thinking about it. Really, what I, in my mind, the way that I'm justifying it is by not reacting. By not, by harboring. Uh, oh, I, I'm just, I must be a stronger individual because of how much I can take. Not if I'm harboring it. Or cultivating bitterness. It's the same thing. Will you pray with me, Lord Jesus? God, we long for your spirit, God, to do a work in our hearts tonight. Jesus, Lord, I don't want to be hanging on to any anger. Jesus, that would push me beyond a place of just a natural emotion, God, into a place of a sinful response. Jesus, I pray, let your word become illuminated to my spirit tonight. God, that you would help me. Jesus, I admit that I need your help. I confess, God, that on my own, I, I don't have the ability to do this. God, but I need your help. I need your grace. God, I need your spirit to be activated in me. Lord, I pray right now. I, I think it would be appropriate if we just take a minute and, and, and repent right now before the Lord. Lord, the things that you've illuminated to me tonight about myself, God, the, the reactions that I've had or the thoughts that I've had, God, if they've crossed over into that measure of sinful nature, God, I repent before you tonight. God, I want to be clean. Jesus, I want to be clean before you. I want to be a holy and righteous, God, as you are. So I pray, God, take this sinful nature, God. Take this mind of my own, Lord, and let it be transformed into your thinking, into your righteousness, Lord God. Jesus, in your name, would you stand with me? We're going to continue to pray here for a little bit.
the Lord just wants to impart some things to us. That's right. Everybody just let's, let's stand and talk to the Lord for a moment. Jesus, God, I open up my heart to you right now. God, I open up my heart to you. I long for your truth, God. I long for your Holy Spirit to be active in me. Jesus, God, I submit myself to you. I surrender to you. Jesus, I want your, your spirit to have its work in my life. God, when I open up my mouth to speak, I want it to be words of encouragement. I want it to be words, God, of wisdom. Jesus, I want it to be words that would build up. God, I want it to be words that would impart faith to others. Jesus, in your name, Jesus, in your name, I want to speak your words, oh God. I want to think, God, as you think. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Bible says about Jesus that he, even though he was made in the fashion of God, he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant. He emptied himself out of all that, if I can put it this way, thinking he was God. That, that deity that was resting and residing inside of him, how did he do that? By becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So what he's doing is he's taking what we would say is all of the good in him and saying, even with all of this good, I'm still human. I need more than my good. I need more than my ability. fact I don't need my ability because I if I get tricked into that I think well I can get up to close enough and then maybe just his grace will get me over that hump that's not the mind of Christ amen amen why don't you greet one another you're dismissed in Jesus name